I'm very expectant for the word this morning, and uh, why don't we just pray before we get into the word. Father, we thank you this morning again for this opportunity to open up your holy scripture this morning. Holy Spirit, we want to invite you, Lord. We cannot understand in our spiritual ability, Lord, without you. So we want to ask, Holy Spirit, come and teach us everything that we need to know. Please come and show us Jesus. Because, Lord, we know that we need revelation, not information. It is only through revelation in our spirits that we are changed, that we see Jesus, and that we are truly transformed into your image. So we invite you this morning, Lord, come and teach us, speak through me this morning, and take us deeper into the treasure and the depth of your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fantastic. So those of you who were not here last week, we started a two-week series, and I asked Johannes if I can go very practical. So think of the next two Sundays, well, that was last week and now today, as almost like mini Bible school. Is everyone okay with that? And the reason why I felt the Lord not only put this word on my heart again this morning or when I started preparing last month, but also we get so many questions from people midweek when we chat to people and when we have coffee with people. And they ask sincerely, can you guys just help us understand how do we read the Bible? Who's ever struggled to just read the Bible? You've just struggled to understand some passages, some parables, some things and how everything fits together. And I think we all go through that in our journey with the Lord. And so one thing that helped me as I started this journey with the Lord is someone just explained to me in a Bible school setup how the Bible was put together, why the Bible is so important, why the Bible is true, how the Bible came about, and how can I engage with it on a daily basis. And so I want to encourage you, even if you have been serving the Lord for 60 years, and you know the Bible, I pray that, you know, the Bible is so rich, the Bible is so deep, there's so much treasure, I don't think we will get to the end or the full depth of all of it until we meet Jesus. So that's why I know this word is for everyone. This word is for me. And Johannes and I were speaking about this theme last night, and I said to him, I literally feel like I want to move on fire. Like my heart feels on fire. The more I study the word, the more I get into it. And yeah, I will get to another verse. I don't want to run ahead of myself because I can already feel I get excited the moment I start speaking about it. So what I want to do is I first want to do a little bit of a recap. And if you weren't here last week, you can watch it on YouTube. Also, all the parents, if you were not here last week, we did a very, very special update on our kids' church. And I want to encourage you, there's loads of you, your kids were featured in a little video as well where they shared what did they learn in the last year. And it is so precious. I want to encourage you, if you haven't seen it, please go watch it on YouTube. And uh, what a privilege to be in a church you are with freedom, where the Holy Spirit is allowed to move. Come on, it's life-changing. So I just want to recap a little bit of, of just for the sake of everyone who went here last week. So what we shared last week is that it's staggering or it's interesting that in America, they did a study a couple of years ago, I think it was after COVID. They did this huge study, I think the, the what were they called? I don't know who the people were, but they do Bible engagement studies, all right, with something like 40 or 50,000 believers, and it was right after COVID, and they did a study to understand how are people engaging with the Bible, and are they engaging with the Bible? That means reading the Bible, studying the Bible, and some of the statistics that came back, I know it's in America, but you know what, it can be very much so in Namibia, in Africa, in South Africa, wherever, I think around the globe, that less and less believers are engaging with the Word on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. In fact, some of the statistics, which was quite scary, said one out of five believers engage with the Bible weekly, like once a week, out of seven days. Another stat said one out of four regularly study the Bible to get to know God and to find direction for their lives. And you know what the problem is 
And again, I said last week, this is not a condemning word. This is really an empowering word to encourage us to grow deeper in our love for the word and in our understanding that the Bible is not just a book. It is the holy word of God himself. It's the most precious thing that you and I have. And you can ask Jacques for some really, really hectic stories of the persecuted church, of how many people lost their lives over the centuries so you and I can hold this precious book in our hands. Even when we go to Davundu and we've been to Malawi and different places in Africa where Bibles are not freely available. And do you know how many people in villages between two, three homes share one Bible? Sometimes they literally tear out pieces of the Bible to share among each other just so they can have the word. And the average home, we have like four, five, six Bibles, one in every translation, one in every color, which is amazing. But I pray that our love for the word will increase as the darkness in our world will increase, Jesus promised us. So we cannot be in a place where we are not engaging with the Bible in depth, because if we are, the consequences will actually be that we will not be deeply anchored in the word. In other words, we will not have the truth to be able to discern in a world that is trying to teach our children a whole lot of nonsense that is not the truth. We can't continue in a world full of ridiculous ideologies to not discern the truth from falsehood, from false doctrine, from false teachings. So that's why it's so important for us as believers to be in the Word. And so we laid a foundation of how the Bible was written and who wrote it, 40 authors, 66 books, and we said that the Bible is actually a library. So 66 books, there's a part book, okay? And it will take our whole lifetime to really study it in depth. But again, who is our teacher is the Holy Spirit. And so we went and we spoke about that, and we also said that the Bible is the infallible, authoritative word of God. In other words, we know that this is the truth. And even in our kids' church this morning, we are doing the same study on the word. And we're talking to them about how, the, how can we know that the Bible is true. And they're actually giving them evidence. We don't have the time to go into that, but that's actually a good study. If you, if you have unbelieving friends who ask you, well, how do you know that the Bible is true? How do we answer them? There's actually evidence outside of Scripture. It doesn't really help we give another Scripture to prove to an unbeliever. They don't believe the Bible, so we can't use Scripture. So there's loads of other historical evidence. You can do a great study on that to prove that the Bible is actually true. And so I want to bring up this Scripture, 2 Timothy 3. This is where we stopped last week and we stayed in the Scripture and we said, why is it important for you and I as believers to be rooted, grounded, fully in love with the Word of God. And this was words from Paul that he spoke to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor, and he suddenly had this church to pastor. He had these Christian believers that were getting influence from all sorts of different places about all sorts of different doctrines. And Paul was saying, look, Timothy, I need you to stay true to the Word. I need you to teach the right doctrine in season, out of season, always be prepared. And this is what it says. By the way, all the notes are in your version if you want to follow along. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 to 17. It says that all Scripture, not just New Testament, not just Old Testament, all of the counsel of God is God-breathed, which mean it, it means it was given by divine inspiration. We read another scripture in Peter that spoke about how the Holy Spirit breathed and moved men to write each book. So none of this came from any human inspiration. That's very important to have as a foundation. All right, and it is profitable. That means useful for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness which is the word that Johannes had for this year, training in righteousness. In other words, how we learn to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage, so that the man and woman of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
to me, that's a mouthful, and it says that if I do not engage with my daily manna, with the sword of the Spirit, I will walk around as a powerless believer, even if I have the Holy Spirit. I can't just think that, okay, because there's some believers that really think that. I know that's no one in our church because we are living word. But there are some believers out there that think, well, I don't need the word. I have the Holy Spirit. Well, actually, if you read the word, you will know that Jesus said, I will send my spirit and he will do what? Teach you all the things and all the things that I had spoken and had taught. And we spoke about, you can look at last week's video, we spoke about how the Old Testament was put together, how the New Testament was put together. And this is really a revelation that I think will change every believer's life if we understand that the entire New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. We cannot have one or the other. The New Testament is about Jesus fulfilling every single prophecy and every single thing that pointed to him in the Old Testament. That's why even when we, we teach people how to teach other people the Word of God, how to, even in our children's church, we always teach, the Bible says, Jesus said, all the scriptures point to me. So even if you are reading about that old sacrificial system, and I, amazing Leviticus book, that's why we say start in the New Testament and work your way back. Amen? But we discussed that last week. But the Old Testament all points to Jesus. So whenever you read Old Testament, that is like a treasure hunt to find Jesus. To find Jesus. Amen? So, okay, so that's where we started of last week. And then we said... Practically, we discussed a few tips on how can we actually read our Bible, all right? So I know it's very practical, but you know how much feedback we had last week where people said, you know, no one actually told me that before, and it's really helped me. It's really helped me to gain a new place of depth in the Word. And there's a few notes on the screen. Number one, we said practically, get a good study Bible. And this is obviously... <laughs> I'm like, I don't have enough space here on this uh, pulpit for all of it, but this was my first study Bible. It's called the ESV Study Bible. And with many of these, there's obviously different ones when you go to the Bible store. This one actually came with free software that you can install on your computer. So now Rock was super nerdy, but it's so incredible if you're serious about getting to know the Lord and serious about studying the Bible that many of these study Bibles include a lot of additional information. In other words, in the beginning, it explains who wrote the book, to whom did they write it, what was the cultural context of the day, what was the historical context of that time, you know, what was the main theme, because it's so important when we do Bible study, and we're going to talk about interpretation today. So the full week is a Bible school class, ne? So uh, when we talk about those things, it's very important because this is where false doctrine comes from. When we do not know how to correctly interpret the Word of God in its right context. And you know, Jock was talking about how the women in these Middle Eastern countries were, or are currently, being so persecuted and so oppressed. And to me, it is such a, it's such a, um, what is the English word? My English is not look out for ogen. It's so hard to hear that as a woman. And I think, you know, where many of those false ideologies and things come from, it's not from here. And many times it is from wrong interpretation because basic Bible study laws have not been applied. Understanding of the historical context of the actual biblical times context and how to interpret that correctly and wisely have never been applied. And we can say maybe the church didn't teach it, but sometimes people do want to make the Bible say what they want to believe. And that's not going to be our church. One of the things that we feel really passionate about is we want to see the Holy Spirit move and do what He wants to do, but we also at the same time want to be so deeply rooted because Holy Spirit will never contradict the Word of God. Amen. And so this word is our sword in the spirit. When you go into battle, I watch a lot of army movies 
Mostly because my husband makes me watch a lot of army movies. And you know, whenever these people, whenever these guys go into battle, they never go in unarmed. And it's the same with us. When we, we are in a daily spiritual battle, you and I, a daily spiritual battle, okay? And if we do not know how to use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, we will be defeated. We will be powerless. We will struggle to move in the power that Jesus died for us to have. And so I could preach about this all day, but let me stick to our five points. So we said, get a good study Bible. Pick a language you understand. Pick a translation that you understand um, that works for you. There's some notes on that last week in last week's sermon. Then secondly, select a time. Maybe it's in the morning. I like to do quiet time in the morning. So now we're just talking about reading the Bible. We're not yet even talking about studying. Just getting into a rhythm where you get to read and feed on the Word a little bit more. I like to do it freshly in the morning because it really helps me for the rest of the day. But for some people in your routine, at night is the easiest time when the kids are in bed and there's finally some peace and quiet and you can hear your own thoughts. That's maybe a good time for you. It doesn't matter whatever works for you. Select a time and a day every week. Number three, get a notebook and a pen. All right? Because... When we go into Bible reading, the Holy Spirit will start speaking to us. And I found for myself, if I am unable to write down thoughts, it's going to be very hard for me to remember what the Lord spoke to me. And, you know, that's how the Lord speaks to us. So we said, get a pen and get a notebook. Then we said, okay, where do I start reading? This is a question that we probably get the most. Where do I start reading? If you're going to start in Genesis and you're new to learning the Bible and understanding the Bible, you're probably going to stop in Deuteronomy or Leviticus and never open it again. That's why we say, start in the book of John. Start in the Gospels, and then work your way back to the rest of the story of Jesus, then the birth of the early church in Acts, finish the New Testament, and then go back to the Old Testament. Because then you'll actually get to a place of understanding, as we said, how and where to see Jesus. So that's just a tip that has worked for me. And then number five, I just want to take a few moments. There's an image on the screen. Who's ever heard of the SOAP method? The SOAP method. All right, that's a method. It's not soap to clean, although the word is also like water that washes us clean. So maybe soap is actually a good analogy. But that stands for, and this is something that you can apply just in your reading. So I'm not even talking deep, in-depth studies. But this will already bring some weight to your Bible reading on a daily basis. So the first one, S, stands for Scripture. So that means reading the passage out loud and silently. Some people, when we first went to Bible school, we actually were taught to read the Bible out loud. I don't know what it is of just reading something out loud. It's like your ears hear it too. And then I also read it silently. Number two, the O stands for observation. So observation taking just a few minutes longer, and even if you just stay in one sentence or one passage or one scripture, that's okay, but reading through it and thinking through, okay, what stands out to me in this scripture? What am I reading? What is it saying to me? Is there anything I don't understand that I want to pray about? Is there anything that doesn't make sense? Is there anything that the Lord may be communicating to me? What is standing out? What do I have a question about? The A, the third step, is application. So in that case, I normally ask myself, all right, is there anything in this passage that I maybe need to apply to my life? Is there something, maybe it's a command that I need to obey? Is it maybe something that's revealed in my heart that I know, oh my goodness, this is a bit of an issue to me. Maybe I need to repent of something and ask the Holy Spirit to help me. Is there something I need to pray about? Is there something I need to apply to my life? And then I write that down. And then the last one is prayer. And we cannot do this without prayer. Yere, help, is a good prayer to add at the end. Ask the Holy Spirit. Normally, I ask the Holy Spirit. If it's something that I've highlighted, then I'm like, I don't understand that. And maybe I don't have time to go into study right now, but I write it down. And I ask the Holy Spirit to remind me and to teach me what this means to me. Why is it standing out to me? 
Because when I read a passage and when Jacques reads a passage, at the same time, different things may stand out to us at that same time. Why? Because Holy Spirit is speaking something to him and he's speaking something to me. And even this morning, all of us will hear the same word, but not all of us will receive the same thing. Why? Because the Bible is alive and the Holy Spirit will highlight something different to you and something different to you and something different to you depending on what you need, because remember, he knows your heart, he knows your season, he knows what you're struggling with, he knows you better than any person on this planet, amen, amen, that's the SOAP method, and so that was really all highlights just from last week, now we're going to get into this morning's word, <laughs> hallelujah, and so today, I said to the team this morning, I felt like, I saw in the spirit like a picture of a pool, and little steps going down. And for some of us, we're just standing on that top trappy ne? step. And for some of us, we're already in the deep end. That's okay. But today, I felt like the Lord just wanted to take us one little step deeper into maybe it's just a little thing that you can add that will change your devotional life, that will change the way you study Scripture, that will change the way that you get to know Jesus on a new level of intimacy. And I believe the Lord is talking to us about it now because we have time over December to actually start to implement new habits. And you know, it only takes 21 days to develop a new habit. There's now a word for all die wat ook moet oefen. 21 days, hallelujah. All right, so how do I start to study the word? So this morning, obviously, we have limited time. I'm going to literally just give us a couple of things that we've learned, that we apply, not just when we prepare sermons or teachings, but that I also apply in my devotional life just to get to know the Lord. I said to the team or someone during the week when we were talking about it, I said, you know what? People think that we study the word because we have to prepare sermons. And that's very true. We do that. That's why we try and keep Fridays open because we need lots of time. Because I don't want to teach you anything that's scripturally incorrect. I've got too much fear of the Lord upon me, so I need time to study. But you know what? I also need to study the Lord for myself, not just for what I teach others. And some of you are also in places where you're teaching other people. We also need to first study for ourselves to first get to know Jesus at a place of intimacy for ourselves, because if we don't see him ourselves, then we cannot show others the way. And so one of the scriptures that we also read about was John 1.1. If you're starting to read in the book of John, John 1.1 says, in the beginning, the word was God. In other words, the word is Jesus. So many people say, when was the last time you opened up Jesus in Logos form, which means the written word? Amen. So this morning, the first one that I want to highlight is a first method to dig deeper into the context of Scripture. And again, I told you this was going to be practical, is we're going to look at what does the beginning parts of interpretation look like. The big scholarly word is hermeneutics. Hermeneutics, I learned this when I started doing Bible school or studied theology. Hermeneutics is just a fancy word to explain. It comes from the Greek. The method of interpretation. Principles of interpretation. And this is not just, I want to I encourage you really, this is not just for people who study theology or someone that has to go and teach other people about the Bible. This is actually for every believer, a basic skill that we all need. And so that's why we feel to share with you this morning. Hebrews 4, if you've got your Bible with you, turn with me to Hebrews 4, verse 12. The idea of why we do Bible study in the first place is to get to know Jesus. Amen? So that's our foundation from where we are jumping off. Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, For the Word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper, everyone say sharper, than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts 
and intentions of the heart. And so I wanted to actually take a whole passage and do a whole hermeneutics exercise, the context, all of that. But I literally, as I was preparing, I stopped at the Word of God is living. That's all I got to. So you can do the rest for homework if you feel like this is a good week for you to study the Bible a little bit more. But I want to stop at this point, and I just want to go back to that first phrase, if you're taking notes. The Bible, the Word of God, is living. Now, actually, this is not referring to the full Bible that you and I have right now because scholars are not sure exactly 100% agreeable on when exactly Hebrews was written. But many scholars believe that when the writer speaks about the Word of God, he's obviously speaking about the Old Testament laws, the Torah, as well as the Word of God, which in the Greek relates to the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. In other words, that's enough for us to know. It talks about God's laws, and it talks about the message of Jesus. In other words, the gospel. That's why we always say we need to preach the gospel, because only the gospel is powerful and will set people free. Many times in the church, we love to preach beautiful motivational TED Talks. That will not change people's lives. Nothing wrong with a TED Talk, okay? But when we are saying we're preaching the gospel, we better be teaching and preaching from Jesus, New Testament, after the cross perspective. Otherwise, this is not valid. It will not be living. It will not be a double-edged sword. It will not cut and pierce through. It will not be breathed upon by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when you listen to teachings online, I love a good YouTube teaching. Amen. Now with the internet, we can listen to every single preacher, Bible teacher around the world. But you know what is my filter when I listen to people online? And I think this will help some people as well. My filter is how much are they preaching Jesus after the cross? If I don't hear anything about the cross and Jesus and the gospel, then that means that's not the gospel. That's the basic filter. And if there is not a scripture for it, I don't want your opinion about it. But again, I need to know my word to know whether you're teaching scripture or not. So this is really beneficial for all of us. Amen. Okay, so five questions, five or six questions. I don't know, but the the notes are on the screen. Five or six questions that we ask whenever I want to go a little bit deeper in that observation part, in that part where I want to understand what is this passage trying to teach me, is number one, I ask myself, who wrote this? Who wrote this? In other words, who is the author of this book? Now, this is where your study Bible will come in really, really handy if you can afford one. If you want to save up for one, maybe some people are going to hint for Christmas a new study Bible because they are, they are pricey, but it is worth it. It is so worth it. And the first thing we want to know is who wrote this book? Because it's very important that I understand who is the author, because that will give me additional insight and depth into where this passage is coming from. And normally, many times, even if you don't have a study Bible, especially in the New Testament, in the letters, it will say, the writer will announce himself. Paul always starts his letters off mostly by saying, I am writing Paul from prison in Philippi or wherever. So you'll know who is writing. But sometimes, like this one in Hebrews, I've chosen probably the hardest book this morning to illustrate. But the book of Hebrews, who knows who wrote Hebrews? I don't think anyone knows. Scholars are divided. Some think it was Paul because the book, the writer didn't actually say, you know, outrightly, this is me, I wrote it. Some people think it was Barnabas. Some people think it was Apollos. Who knows? The point is, someone wrote this, and it was someone who had an understanding of the gospel. All right? So we're not sure who wrote it, but we know that the Holy Spirit breathed upon it. The second question that we want to ask is, what type of book is this? Remember last week we said you have letters, you have historical books, you have the law books, you have poetry books, you have wisdom books like Proverbs, you have revelation books. What kind of book is Hebrew? If we're talking about this scripture in Hebrews 4, what genre? Is it okay for everyone this morning? Okay, what genre is this book? Very important. The book of Hebrews, again, 
Tavakuki, no one knows for sure, but most scholars agree that it is between a sermon, a sermon that is exhortation or encouraging, and an epistle, a letter. That's just a fancy word for a letter. But this letter, that's why people are not sure that it was Paul, because it's written differently than Paul's other letters. But it's between a letter and a sermon. Okay, that's the second question we want to ask. What type of book is this? Because why is this important? I will interpret a letter very differently than a wisdom book, very differently than a book like Revelation, which is revelation and very symbolic, not necessarily literally. All right? So that's important. Number two, that I understand what type of genre is this book. Number three, hugely important. This is where many believers, we really struggle. For all the men that in the Old Testament, I'm not going to name any, anyone or anything. But number three, who was the original audience? Who was this book written to? Now, is the Bible applicable to us even today as an audience? Yes, but with wise and sound interpretation, which is what we're talking about. It's very important to understand who was the original audience. Who was this letter, this sermon of exhortation or encouragement addressed to? And Hebrews particularly was addressed to believers, but they were from a Jewish background. In other words, many of the Jews that got converted to Christianity still had a lot of teaching and a lot of doctrine tied to the Old Testament, the first five books, the law. But remember, after the cross, after Jesus came, everything changed in terms of a new covenant. This was after Jesus had risen from the dead. In other words, it's after the cross. So that's very important. So the writer of this book of Hebrews is explaining to the Jewish believers how Jesus is superior than everything they learned before in the Old Covenant. That's very important to understand because when you understand that, you immediately have a completely different filter or lens through which you read this passage, just verse 12. All right, so Jewish believers. The fourth question that we ask who would come? If we do a Bible school, word school, who would come? Okay, yes, come on. That's a confirmation. Pray for us. We really would love to do that. What is the purpose of this book? That's my fourth question. What is the purpose of this book? Again, very important to understand. If we go and do a study, and even just in your study Bible, you'll see this answer. You don't even have to look very far is as I explained before, many of these believers came from a Jewish background. So they were actually in a place where they were facing a lot of persecution because they were believers. And they were really thinking and wondering, did we make a good choice to follow this Jesus? Because he did say that he's coming back, but where is he? And so they were thinking to themselves, should we not go back to the old covenant ways that we had before the cross? And the writer of Hebrews is writing this letter, sermon of encouragement to say, no, 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 no. Jesus is superior. Don't go back to that old place of the law. It's after the cross. There's a new covenant. There is grace. There are all these things that are yours now as believers. Don't go back to that old place. Jesus is superior in other words, he's bigger, he's more, he's better than what was before. This is the context of the book that we need to understand that he's writing to them. He's superior, greater than any angel, any priest, any old covenant institution. All right, I really chose an interesting book to start with. <laughs> okay, the fifth question I ask myself, and this is the last question. This is just if we want to take a little dip into Bible study a little bit deeper. The fifth question is, if I'm reading Hebrews 4, verse 12, I want to know that fourth chapter, what is it about? If I know the whole context of the book of Hebrews, what is chapter 4 about? Because did you know that the Bible in the original manuscripts were not written with headings and verse numbers? Translators brought that in over the years to help us as believers to understand the word. So when I went to Bible school for the first time, they made us tipics out. That was a hard thing. Um, tipics in my Bible into Sydney. Tipics out all the headings. And you know, that changed the way I read the Bible. I don't tipics anymore, but I try and ignore the headings sometimes. 
Because then you can understand a full thought until its completion. Again, what does that help with? That helps me to understand the whole passage in context. There's something that we really want to do. I know Johannes is passionate to do it on this whole thing of women in ministry. That's one of the things that, and I'm not saying this because I'm a woman in ministry. Johannes will, wants to do a great teaching on that. That's probably one of the most misinterpreted topics among many things in the Bible. And this is where certain topics become super controversial because of incorrect interpretation, not understanding the full context, not understanding the audience, not understanding the whole counsel of Scripture in its totality. All right, so what is the main idea in chapter 4? The main idea in chapter 4, if you go and read through the whole chapter 4 of Hebrews 4, it speaks about the rest of God. It speaks about how for believers, there is a place of peace, there is a place of rest we can go into. That under the old covenant, they didn't have that. They had to work. In the new covenant in Jesus, we don't have to work for our salvation, we don't have to work for eternal life. It's becoming a faith application. So this is the context of this writer. He's saying I need you to understand that there is a place of rest, but you need to add faith to it. And then only he comes in the middle of that chapter to verse 12. That speaks about the word of God that explains the message of salvation. And that is the thing that takes us by faith into that place of rest. Do you see what a journey it takes you to get to the proper context, but how much more it colors in the picture to understand what, that, what does this actually mean? Amen. I pray that that excites anyone or everyone. All right, but in verse 11, just one more principle that I think is really important, and it's not too long before this plane lands, but in verse 11, I want you to go to verse 11 quickly. Hebrews 4, verse 11, it's not on the screen, but it says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. That's what he's talking about in the whole chapter. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience, for the word of God is living. All right, we always teach our team, whenever there is the word for, therefore, but, and, it means I have to read what is said before it. It means the thought is not complete. Boy, keer sien ons a Facebook quote, en dan denk ek, ja, daar is nie in context nie. Because they didn't read the passage just before. But sometimes we want to apply a scripture out of context because that's what we want to say. And I've stepped into that place many times, but I'm learning as I'm studying that that is not actually the right way to do it. We get so much more depth. So we always want to look, scripture interprets scripture. All right? So we always want to look what was said before that passage. This is a tip that will change your Bible reading. And then we said, zone in on verse 12, for the word of God is living. Now, on the screen, I want to show you something that changed my life the first time someone told me what a cross-reference is. A cross-reference. So I tried to take a photo of my Bible. Okay, I know it's a bit small, but you can at least see the blue circle and the red circle. Amen? So if I'm reading Hebrews 4 verse 12, and it says, For the word of God is living, there's a small little A next to the word living. Many people do not know this. Then many of your Bibles will have this cross-reference section in the middle. What that actually means is that little A in the red circle next to 12, which is verse 12, 12A, it gives additional scriptures. The idea is when I read 12A, living has a little A next to it, I go read the other scriptures in the red circle, which are scriptures that communicate a similar thought or gives explanation to that word living that I just read. So if we do that in that red circle, one of the scriptures next to 12a says Psalm 147 verse 15. The team can put up Psalm 147 verse 15. So if I'm reading and I have a little bit of extra time, I go read that additional cross-reference. And then it says this, he sends his command to the earth and his word runs very swiftly. 
His word runs. So it communicates another idea to me that the Bible is alive. It is active. It is energetic. It is doing something. All right. Now I want to go a little bit further. It's almost like another trap after step. And he swam right in. It says there, this psalm, actually, the heading there says it's a psalm about praising the Lord and about his provision. And if you read through the whole scripture, it talks about how the Lord and his words create action in the earth. There's another scripture in the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 103, that says, angels hearken unto the word of the Lord, which means whenever the word of God is spoken, whenever the word of God is being taught, angels go and do the assignment of the work of the word of God. So there is this theme, living is not just alive, it means there is action, there is progress, there is something happening. It's not a normal book. Then I want to do a word study. Okay, so sometimes if I have extra time, obviously we do it to prepare sermons, but if I have extra time, I like to go and look up, remember we said the Bible was written in different languages. So the New Testament originally was a Greek manuscript. Sometimes in the English, through translation, some of the original thought and essence were not translated or is, is difficult to translate into the English language. So I want to know what did the original Greek word actually mean? I know I'm going deep this morning, but it's so good. And that word, that Greek word for living actually translates to be alive, to be quick, to live, to breathe, to be active, to be powerful. So now I have a much deeper understanding that this is not just a book. This actually has power. Okay? The Greek word for powerful, the word is alive and powerful, is translated as effectual, powerful, active, and energetic, which means it's the opposite of being idle and not accomplishing anything. So just through asking five questions, and looking up one word, and I'll give you some free tools online that you can do that if this is something that is really speaking to your heart and you're starting to get excited about it, you can look it up for free. You don't need all the latest software and all these kind of things. You can actually get apps for your phone. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands apps as you have iStore and gaan verstaan. Free apps that you can look up so that you can get a deeper understanding of Jesus and His Word. And so... Another scripture that I want to highlight to you, when you start doing deeper cross-reference, I found this scripture, 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. And this to me was just another scripture that really sealed the deal for me to understand the word living. It says, and we also thank God continually for this, that when you received the word of God concerning salvation... Same idea. What is it? The word of Jesus Christ, the word and the gospel message of Jesus, which you heard from us. You welcomed it, not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is the word of God, which is, this is the give it you can highlight, underline, effectually at work in you who believe, exercising its inherent supernatural power in those of faith supernatural power. That is what that word living means. The word, when we apply it, when we study it, when we read it, has power to be active in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. And when you know that, how do you not want that? Amen? That word living actually also refers to fire, but we'll get to that. All right. I want to just show the screen, guys, if we can put it up. There's a couple of things that if you do not already use some of these tools, they really changed my life. There's, the team will just show it. I think it's a study tools or something like that. Free tools or study tools. There we go. Luchos Software. I checked with Johannes because we have a version. We've bought different commentaries and different things. Um, in, in our roles, but there's actually a free sample that you can download. I think you also get the app for your phone. And what is on there in the free version, you can look up articles, commentaries. You can look up the words in the Greek or the Hebrew. It's just fascinating. Different translations. It's really, really awesome if you want to go a little bit deeper. 
The strongs is what they call a concordance. In other words, the strongs can also show you the Greek, original Greek word and meaning, original Hebrew word and meaning. There's a free app that you can download. Blue Letter Bible, that is a website, but I think you also get an app for that. That's also an amazing resource. If you don't have a study Bible, but you want a study resource, every translation, different explanations, uh, the context of each book and scripture, that's a really awesome website. The Bible Project. Who's ever heard of the Bible Project? We reference a lot of what we teach our children's church because they've got beautiful animation videos. That's actually really awesome for grown-ups uh, where they explain everything that we've been speaking about for the last two weeks. So that's a great resource if you want to go dig there. And also eSword. I think eSword is what I received with this Bible some study Bibles have free software included, okay? So that is really important, free resource that can help you. But you know what was the, we're not going to go into the rest of the scripture because it'll take us until after Christmas. But what was really powerful to me as I just researched that first phrase, the word is living and powerful. And that last scripture in 1 Thessalonians 2 you know what is the key ingredient for us to have access to that word that is powerful in our lives? The key ingredient is faith. I watch a lot of MasterChef, and it's all about your ingredients. It's the same in the Word of God. When we eat the Word of God, I cannot eat the Word of God without Holy Spirit and without faith. Faith is the key thing when it is mixed into reading and mixed into studying that I have access to that power that is the sword of the Spirit, that power of the Word of God. Method number two, and we don't have time to get into that, but you know, you can also study an area of life, you know, an area that maybe either you are struggling in that area because remember the Word is like medicine, the word is like medicine. If we, Joyce Meyer always says, if we know how to take natural medicine, how do we not know how to take the medicine of the word? You know, she says, if you've got a headache, do you put an aspirin on top of your head and wait for it to work? No. You would actually drink it with some water, some faith. Okay? Well, it's the same thing with the word. We actually need to open up the word and eat and receive from it like medicine. One of the things that I really struggled with for a long time was fear and anxiety. Now, there's a place for deliverance, but there's also a huge, huge place for renewing of my mind. And I can be delivered spiritually from a spirit of fear, but if I don't learn how to renew my mind, I'm going to continue to walk in defeat in that area. So some people struggle in the area of finance. Maybe you want to do a study, a topical study on finance. What does the Bible teach? Maybe you struggle with depression, with lack of joy. Maybe you struggle with fear or anxiety. Maybe you struggle with anger. Well, that's a good opportunity. You don't have to worry about anything else. Just tackle that first topic and see what the Holy Spirit will teach you and lead you to a place of freedom or to a place of power. And how do we do that? Just quickly and write down if this is for you. Number one is I take the Bible and I go back into what they call the concordance, okay? Every Bible should have this. Most Bibles do. And then you go and look up the word that you want to study, okay? So for me, it was anxiety. And maybe the team can put up that slide. I think it says anxiety example. This is not a picture of the concordance. This is a picture of a Google search. But if you just do a Google search, what does the Bible say about anxiety? Pops up 100 scriptures of anxiety, this is literally what I did. And step number two is I would take one scripture that stands out to me. To me, it was that Timothy scripture that said, I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I took that scripture. I wrote it on a piece of paper. It was in my car. It was on my phone. It was in the kitchen. It was on my bathroom mirror. It was on my office desk. And I meditated on that scripture until I felt the Lord give me a revelation on how I do not have a spirit of fear. Until I felt like my mind was renewed. And I don't know if I ever graduated, I still continue to meditate on that scripture. I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. This is how the word leads us to freedom. 
Simple exercise we can do. It will take you five minutes. You will bump in it every day, but your life will be changed forever. Amen. Is anyone else excited about this? Church, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching from a place of walking this on a daily basis. Someone said to me Friday night at a function, oh, you speak in front of people. You, you, you look confident. I said, lady, it was not like that. You did not know me in school. You did not even know me as a university student. I would die before I would speak in front of people. It is the word of God in my life that is living and powerful and effective because I just made a decision. If this is what it says, I will believe it when I see it active in my life. I did believe it beforehand, but even more so. I mean, ek is rechtig passievol hier, jylle, ek bid die Heere, maak ons oop vir this revelation of His word. And I want to leave you with one last scripture, then we're going to go into communion, hallelujah. Psalm 119, this is a scripture that I think what inspired me was actually the children's church. We took this scripture, and this is what they're doing today, and it's a beautiful thing to actually be aligned with kids' church, because when you go home and your children were in kids' church this morning, Jy kan het vastmaak met hulle in die week. Psalm 119, verse 130, it's the longest psalm in the Bible, but the whole Psalm 119 talks about the benefits of the Word of God. So it's a good place to even just camp until 2024. But it says this, The entrance and unfolding of your words give light. Their unfolding gives understanding discernment and comprehension to the simple, and I add it in another translation, the childlike. You know, the same way a child comes to the Word is the way you and I need to come to the Word. And that word, that the unfolding of your Word, that word unfolding actually means entrance or doorway. It's a place we enter into. It's a place where we go into. And we're doing this beautiful, the team's doing a beautiful illustration with the kids that if I don't open it, I don't get to go into it. So in other words, for some of us, it's time to dust off this source of power that we have available to us, that people died so we could have. When I open up the word, when I unfold it, it brings light. That word light actually also means fire, it means opening up. It means revelation. It means life-changing. When we open up the book of life, we will receive the life, the breath of Jesus himself. I want to ask the team as we close this morning to just hand out the communion for us. And we're going to end with communion this morning. And we're going to take some time to remember as Jesus asked us to do in Scripture, to remember what He has done. So the team can just head on to that next slide for us. And I want us to just really limit movement if we can and just focus for a few moments on the Holy Spirit. If you've received communion, I want you to just hold on to it in your hand. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart about His Word.
this book is living and powerful. This book is Jesus himself. Just wait for everyone to receive. Sometimes we just need to come to the Word like a child. I love in our kids' church that when our team brings the Word or they put up worship music, they just believe. They don't they don't question because they believe you. They believe in the authority that is above them. They believe mom. They believe dad. They believe the kids' church leader, I hope. And I feel like that's just the heart and the posture that the Lord wants us to come to him. We didn't share all these things about interpretation to really make it complicated or difficult. We actually shared it so that it brings us into a place of more confidence through the Holy Spirit, that we cannot, we cannot do and understand the Word on our own. We've got the Holy Spirit to do that with us and for us. And I want you to just hold the bread in your hand this morning. And why don't you close your eyes and I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, we thank you, Majesty King of Kings, that this morning we can end this time together that we're talking about you. We're talking about your Word. And we can look at the cross here on the stage and we can be reminded, Lord, of that great act of love, of mercy, and of grace that you accomplished for us. So that we can come into this place, Lord, so that we can be reunited with you. So we can have this place of access to our Heavenly Father. That we can receive eternal life that we can enter, as Hebrews 4 says, that place of rest through faith in you, Jesus. And so, Lord, we want to thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you for your body and that you are the bread of life. That your word, when we read through your word, is the manner of which we feed on a daily basis. And as we eat of your flesh, Lord, we eat of your word. We are satisfied. We are nourished spiritually as well as physically, Lord. And we just want to thank you this morning for your body that was broken for us. Let's have the bread together. Luke 22 and verse 19 said, And Jesus took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, verse 20, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. And Jesus, we thank you this morning for your blood that was shed on that cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we thank you that the shedding of your blood meant the inauguration of your new covenant, a new covenant of grace, of love, of mercy, of eternal life. And this morning we take the cup, we drink of your blood, Lord, and we are reminded that we are under a new covenant covenant of Jesus Christ. Let's receive it together this morning. Jesus, we honor you this morning. Thank you that we have the freedom to take some time to remind us of your sacrifice, to remind us of a new life, of that living word, that powerful word that we have access to, which is the message of your gospel, of your good news. 
And I pray, Lord, that as a church and as individuals and as families, Lord, you will take us deeper into your word in these last days. Lord, we pray for a new hunger and a new thirst for your presence and for the depth of your word. We pray, Lord, that we will eat and that we will continue to grow more hungry for you. We pray that as we continue to unfold your word, that light will enter. Lord, that it will be the light to our path and the lamp to our feet. We pray that that living, power, active word of yours, Lord, will accomplish all that you promise will accomplish in our lives when we come to it, Lord, with childlike, humble hearts. Lord, when we give time and attention to it, and as your Holy Spirit leads us in faith to go deeper. Lord, we know that you are calling us deeper. The time for superficial Christianity is over. You're calling us as a pure bride to be ready with our lamps full of oil when you return. And Jesus, we say yes. This morning as a church, our answer is yes. And we ask, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Give us that hunger. Give us that drive. And we look forward, Lord, every day to meet with you, to be satisfied by you. We love you so much, Lord. And I just want to pray a blessing over our church this morning. I want to pray a blessing over all our students that are starting with exams this week. Lord, may you give them understanding. May you give them discernment. May you give them wisdom and knowledge. May you give parents the strength, Lord, to help them and to stand alongside them. And Lord, I just pray that you will go before us, behind us, and around us. We love you so much. We praise your name. And everyone said, Amen.